Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Gospel Saving Church. Praise God, I'm so glad you're here. If this is your first time listening to me, hello, I'm Pastor Ed, and this is Gospel Saving Church, one of God's true churches of this end times that we live in now. And uh, anyway, we're here. We live in McKinney, Texas, and just have a little church out of our house. Praise God. He keeps us going. Anyway, I hope you didn't come to church today to be entertained, because I'm not an entertainer. I'm a teacher of the Word of God. So if you guys want to join me in a in, in a Word of prayer, for we need to ask the Lord to help us understand His Word today and help us understand the things of Him. For we know that the Word says that without His Holy Spirit, without His help in us, we can't understand anything of what He wants to tell us. So let us pray, please. Lord, we thank You so much for bringing us here. We thank You so much, Lord God, for giving us a new day and giving us each other, Lord, and giving us the big family of God that's all around the world, Lord God, those that are persecuted and abandoned and and tortured and and all all of us lord we're all as one body and one family all over the world lord god and we, we thank you lord god that we know that if any of us go through any of these tough times lord we know that we have other brothers and sisters all over the world that are also going through these same times lord god so if we're if we suffer alone lord god then that's hard if we suffer together lord god then that helps us on you know Bear the sufferings, the Lord. We we thank you, Lord, that you give us one another, Lord, that we can laugh together, that we can have fun together, and that we can also suffer together, Lord. We anyway, we we ask that you help us understand your word today, help us understand the things that you want to tell us, and I pray, Lord God, that we wouldn't just hear those things that we hear today, Lord. I pray that we would hear them and then do something about what we hear, that we'd be hearers of the word. And not just they would be hearers and doers of the word, and not just hearers only. So, Lord, we ask you to bless this message, bless our ears, and help us understand the things of you by your Holy Spirit of you. We love you and praise you and thank you, and we ask these things, all these things, in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. So, we'll be in Acts chapter fourteen today. We're going to be in verses one through seven. The title of our sermon today is, Their Hearts Were Poisoned Towards Jesus. I'll give you a moment to get there. Acts chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. If you want to turn your Bibles over there now, it's just right from where we were last week. Or you can just listen along, but we're going to read it. Acts 14, verses 1 through 7. The Word says, Now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews. And so spoke that a great multitude, both of the Jews and of the Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Therefore they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding region. And verse 7, and they were preaching the gospel there. So in our last message, we looked at three different ideas that that section of scripture had for us. Remember, God's word uh, 
it has has all kinds of, of ideas and all kinds of awesome little nuggets. And praise God, it, it, His Word is like a, a huge box just full of beautiful treasures. And I'm so thankful that the Lord gives us to them. But those three beautiful ideas of these treasures that we saw last week were one, evangelism and what age of Christian should evangelize. Two, what to do when people both accept and reject your message of Jesus Christ. And three, if they reject your message of Jesus Christ, then persecute you. When they persecute you, we talked about how to handle that. Today, Christ's apostles are in a brand new place, the city of Iconium, where they don't let the rejection of the Jews in the former city of Antioch get them down or cause them to quit. Uh, in my personal experience of evangelism and sharing the word of God on the streets, it's, it, it, as you continue to go, if you continue to go, one of the things that usually drives out people from evangelism is the rejection that they face from other people. It, it's hard to go sharing the word when, when you have a fear or a belief or you feel like, well, they're just going to reject me anyway, so why go? And of course, you don't know that they're going to reject you. I mean, you're going to have some people that are going to reject you and some people are going to accept you. So you can't really have that mindset. And so here we see that Paul and Barnabas don't have that mindset in our new section. Uh, they go from Antioch to Poseidon and to Iconium, which is not far. And look at what happens. Verse one. Now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews Notice they stayed together. That's important in evangelism, staying together in groups and not breaking off individually. And look, and so spoke that a great multitude, both of the Jews and Greeks, believed. So here they go, like I said, they go from Antioch and Poseidon to Iconium, which is not far away. Iconium is really just, uh, just to the southeast and just a very short distance from Antioch. It was literally the very next city southeast of where they were. They go, they don't let the former rejection in the city that they were just in destroy their confidence or stop them from continuing to go and continuing to preach the gospel and continuing to go on for Jesus Christ doing what he called them to do. As they go, when they go, the scripture just told us there that the listeners in this synagogue, both Jews and the Gentile Greek converts to Judaism, which is what they were because they were all in the synagogue. So that would be Jews and Gentiles in that synagogue. They were all together and that would have been, like I said, Greek uh, or Gentile Greek converts to Judaism. They're all receptive. They're very receptive. And as Luke tells us, that a great multitude of them believe. This is, by the way, their biggest turnout of people getting saved up until this point. I love it when the scripture uses the word great multitude for describing those that get saved. It doesn't really happen very often. I especially like reading this here because I'm sure that after the big letdown that Paul and Barnabas just had, in Antioch of Bethsaida, I'm sure that this was a great encouragement and a great boost for the disciples, okay? The Lord knows how to bring encouragement to his children that are down. And let me tell you, he really knows how to do that. So here's what I, I believe. That's, that's kind of like God's like, hey, go here, leads them there. He knows people are going to be receptive. They go preaching and wham, multitudes believe in, in Jesus Christ. What an awesome, awesome, awesome thing. But as good as this news initially was, unfortunately, we read the word but in the next verse. Look at verse 2. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. 
So that's kind of where we get the, the title of our sermon. But of course, we know that their minds were poisoned against Christ because what was the disciples' message? It wasn't just of themselves. It was of Jesus Christ. I don't like reading the word but in Scripture. Usually, the word but is bad news. Luke told us here that the but in verse 2 is that some of the Gentiles who believed in Jesus Christ turned away from Jesus Christ or turned their backs on Jesus Christ because of the poison of the unbelieving Jews. We don't know what this poison was, but, but we can speculate. Maybe it was, hey, doubt their message. Hey, you can't trust these guys. We don't even know where they're from. Doubt their message. Or, or you know what? How do we really know Jesus Christ was the Jewish Messiah? How do we really know? Uh, maybe it was threats against them for believing. You know, very common in, in countries still to this day. Not much in America because we uh, Christianity America is, is so diluted and so broken down. And nobody really lives for Christ here. Very, very many people, I shouldn't say, live for Jesus Christ. Most people just say they believe. So there's no real, you don't get threatened for believing in Jesus Christ very much here in America. But, but in other countries and, and in this region they did, maybe it was threats against them for believing. Uh, maybe it was... You're going to lose your friends. Maybe you're going to lose us as friends if, we, if, you, if you believe in this Jesus. We don't exactly know what the poison that they were spreading was, but we do know that they poisoned their minds by some way. Uh, and then again, we just make, can make a speculation. Uh, so th- this but is bad news. Again, Luke, as he just told us, that some of the Jews that heard the message of the good news of Jesus Christ chose again to not believe. And again, just like we've seen too many times up till now in Scripture, the haters of Christ just couldn't keep their disbelief or their rejection to themselves. Uh, think, remember, the Jews in Antioch. Same thing happened to them just now. Remember, two times ago now, Elamaeus, uh, or Elamaeus, the false prophet, remember, with, with, the, with the, the proconsul and the same thing, Sergius Paulus, and the same thing. They had to spread their poisonous unbelief to others. Why can't those who choose to not believe in Jesus Christ just keep their wicked disbelief to themselves? Because as a result of whatever their poison was, that they poisoned their minds, it caused these new converts here in Iconium to fall away from Jesus Christ. Same thing happens today. Many today choose to not believe in Jesus Christ, and then when they do, they can't just keep their unbelief or their disbelief to themselves. They got to go on like a crusade. And they, and they got to go out and they got to have these debates. And then they got to go out and they got to have these, the, make these speeches and go online and do all these things and talk to people and try to get them to push them or, you know, to kind of force them. Uh, maybe those that aren't sure what they believe or those that come to believe in Jesus Christ and they, and they, they push them. The big push is on to forsake the Lord Jesus Christ and not believe in him anymore. This, by the way, is rampant or rampant, whatever you say the word, on college campuses across the country, especially with our youngsters. There's teachers that are just on missions to, to poison the hearts and the minds of the young people that believe in Jesus Christ or that have grown up in the faith. And maybe they're not real strong in the faith, but nevertheless, these, these, these high and mighty professors, and they go out and they try to make our, our kids uh, fall away from the Lord. It, it's really, uh, the Baptists have done a, a study 
with their youth, and they, they found that a huge majority of their, of their Baptist youth that grew up in church, that when they go to college, that they hear all this poison, and they hear all these, these professors, and they hear all these, these wicked unbelievers who have chosen not to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and what do they do? They can't just keep their unbelief to themselves. They have to, oh, what about this, and what about that? And they have to barrage them and beat them over the head with things that, that make these young kids doubt their faith. And of course, as a result, uh, sadly, what happens here in our scripture and what happens today in our world and colleges and with many other others everywhere is exactly what Jesus Christ uh, taught in the parable of the sower, Matthew chapter 13. Uh, so remember that parable. G- the, the parable, go- the, the sower goes out and he sowed seeds and one, one seed goes on one ground, another seed goes on another ground. It goes on all four grounds. It's four different grounds. But remember, only one of the grounds, the very last ground, the one with the good heart, the one with the good soul, actually stayed and believed. Well, that's only one quarter. The, uh, the other ones, that the devil came and stole it away. The other one was when, when, when the sun rose up, which, which represented persecution and, and, and losing of you know, friends or, or people saying things against you because you love Jesus Christ. And that, that was one of the ones that tore the people, that, that, made their, that made their plant wither. And of course, again, we know that we can't grow in Christ unless we're really saved. Of course, so these are growing plants that, that their soil wasn't, wasn't strong enough. And then, of course, they allowed the unbelievers, the, the, the scorching persecution of people, tear them down. And then the other one, of course, is what we see a lot in, in America here. It's, it's the poison of the things and the lusts of the world. The actual uh, desires and pleasures to, to fulfill your sinful passions and that, those things, as, as we're going to talk about them later, Second Peter, ta- Peter talks about it in Second Peter, how they, how they draw them away by the, the lewdness and the lusts of the flesh. But, it, but anyway, the, the parable, Matthew 13, parable of the sower and the seed. And what we see here and this and what we see in Scripture, and what we see there is what happens. That's, that's exactly what happens. People, are, our hearts need to be strong toward Jesus Christ. Our hearts need to be pure toward Jesus Christ to continue to believe. For remember, it's only those that endure to the end that should be saved. Oh, if these here in our scripture, and if these today only knew and only understood and believed what Jesus Christ said in Mark 9, 42, maybe they would keep their poison to themselves. Jesus said this, Mark 9, 42, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it'd be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Oh, unbeliever. Be careful with the poison that you give to those who believe, if I have any unbelievers out there listening to me today. Uh, but I don't want that to be me. I don't know about you. When I see Jesus Christ face to face, I want to be an encourager of the brethren. I don't want to tear any brethren down. Moral of the story, those for those who don't believe, keep your unbelief, your poison against Jesus Christ yourself. It, it's really just that easy. Uh, for Christians, as I was just telling you, Second Peter, what's the real danger for our children that go to college and for all of us out there that are, you know, maybe our hearts are wavering toward Jesus Christ? What's the real danger? Second Peter 2, 18 through 21. Listen to what Peter says. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, speaking of those that are, you know, either have known and fallen away or, or just the unbelievers that we're talking about right now in the scripture, the same ones that planted the poison in these new believers' hearts. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, 
through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of this world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the, that is only talking about one type of person. There's only one person that escapes the knowledge of the pollutions of this world through the knowledge of Jesus Christ, and that's somebody that gets saved. But again, the the, the danger, for if after they have escaped, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning, for it had been better for them to not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. So, so Christians, it's not just that we stop believing or that, oh, well, you know, our hearts are poisoned toward Jesus Christ, but you know, I'm, I'm saved no, the, Peter just said that the latter end for you, if you turn away, if you don't endure to the end in Christ, if you, if you are one of those three seeds, the, the one that fell on the stony ground, the one that fell amongst the tares, and then the one that fell amongst the, the, the soil that was thin, is the danger of losing or forfeiting your eternal life in Jesus Christ. This, this is... This is, this is the dangerous. Christians, beware. This is a real danger for us today. Uh, all of us that love Jesus Christ that are still alive now, not enduring in Christ, uh, has cost many a weary follower of Christ to stumble right back into hell or into hell when they die, just as if they never knew him before. So beware, beware, beware. We're going to talk about how to stay strong in Jesus Christ at the end, but let's get back to our scripture. Uh, do Paul and Barnabas get discouraged when they see the new believer, Jew and Gentile converts, stop believing in Christ and believe the poison of the unbelievers, so turning away from Jesus? Look at verse 3. Therefore, they stayed a long time speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. So no, they don't leave right away like they did in the last city, unlike how Paul and Barnabas knocked the dust off their sandals in Antioch against those who rejected Jesus Christ then just the town over. God kept them preaching here. And really, he went above and beyond what he normally does to show these unbelievers or these that had been poisoned against Jesus Christ by confirming, as the word says, his word by signs and wonders done by the hands of the apostles. Why would God have had initially one city over? Why would he have had Paul and Barnabas leave right away with that rejection? Yet here he caused them to stay uh, when they had just been rejected here, really, because the people's hearts were poisoned against them. Well, the difference between those in the, that rejected them in Antioch and those that were poisoned here in this section is that these who let their hearts get poisoned didn't necessarily reject the good news of Jesus Christ to a finality. They just started having these poisoned evil hearts by the evil-hearted Jews who had, who had preached their poison to them. They, they hadn't said, and we see this in Scripture because we know that the Word of God, Jesus Christ taught that don't, we're not supposed to cast our pearls before swine. So, of course, if these guys had been like Pharaoh, king of Egypt, with the children of Israel back you know when the, the Israelites were in bondage, we'll talk about that in a little bit, 
had they been like that, had they had the get out of here and don't speak to us anymore about Jesus Christ attitude like those in Antioch, then they would have had to go. But they didn't. This, this They had open or receptive hearts still toward Christ, even though they had been poisoned there a little bit. And and this principle, I didn't really speak about it last week, but I'm going to speak about it a little bit today. This principle of, of a closed or, or get away from me uh, with your Jesus Christ attitude versus an open of receptive heart toward Jesus Christ is not something I spoke on last week, but I will now. There is a difference between the attitude of someone that's closed their hearts to Christ, closed their hearts completely, get away from me, don't speak to me about Jesus Christ anymore, and those who are doubting Jesus Christ. Or those who, you know, they know they haven't come, they're contemplating, they, they've maybe fallen away because of some doubt or some, some sin in their lives, but they still have an open and pliable heart towards Jesus Christ. Uh, the examples I want to give today is, is I have an aunt. I love her to death, and then I have a fellow that I just rode, uh, did a little driving with yesterday, who was very, you know, they're, they're very completely opposite people. Uh, now, my aunt, whom I love very dearly, she believes in another faith than I do, and she doesn't really believe the Bible 100%, just, just some. And in her, to her, I have tried to preach the gospel, I've tried to preach Jesus Christ, I've tried to preach the Bible and the truths about God's word, and she basically told me, I, you know what, at one point, she had a... Boom, she shut herself down. She closed her heart. She said, I don't want to talk to you about this subject, about Jesus Christ, about the Bible anymore. Well, well now her, I have to honor her and not be pushy and leave her alone and let her make her choice and not force her because she has made her choice. Same example we've seen in Scripture. But I also had a fella yesterday. She would be an example of the closed heart. She, the get away from me, you know, for Jesus Christ, I don't want to hear about him anymore. She's an example of that uh, versus the open and receptive person. I, I took a ride yesterday. I had some work yesterday. I don't generally work on a Saturday all the time, but yesterday I did. Um, and this fellow that I worked with, uh, he had an open and receptive heart toward the things of God toward Jesus Christ. And so we had a really great conversation about some of the ways that God works in my life. And I, I bring up God in everything I do because he's part of my life in everything I do. I, I don't try to compartmentalize God. Most people do. They Well, I, I won't put God in this compartment of my job. I'll just keep God here on Sunday. Or, or I won't keep God here when I go hang out with my friends, but, but I'll keep him here at the youth group on the Wednesdays. No, I don't compartmentalize. Jesus Christ goes with me, and he's in my mouth and on my lips everywhere I go. And so everyone, anybody that hangs out with me, they're going to hear about Jesus Christ, whether they like it or not. If they don't like it and they close their hearts, I'll stop. If they're open and receptive, then we'll continue to talk. But here, our situation with Paul and Barnabas in our section of Scripture here is what we, what we really see is, is that these people here, although they had been poisoned, their hearts were still open and were still you know, pliable or still receptive to hearing about Jesus Christ. They weren't like, rah, rah, get away from us like those in Antioch. And as far as someone who's just not sure, but still has an open heart towards Christ versus the closed heart of people like my aunt, uh, we should still speak to and not be pushy with, but, but speak to the person with the open, pliable or receptive heart, but not the closed heart person. Because once someone has closed their heart, 
off toward Jesus Christ, and they have a get-away-from-me attitude about Jesus Christ, really in the flesh, and, and, and from our standpoint as ministers for the Lord, really there's there's nothing we can do at that point directly. All we got to do kind of then is pray for them and hope that God breaks through them. But but once a person sets their hearts against Jesus Christ and closes their hearts to them, again, we should, as, as ministers of the Lord, should back away and just pray. Does any human know when this thing really happens? Like, I consider these people to be kind of like, kind of like Pharaoh, king of Egypt, back in the day with the Israelites when they were in Egypt for 430 years. Uh, Pharaoh had hardened his heart multiple times against God. And basically what happened was he hardened his heart so hard towards God that God just gave him over to a completely debased mind. And he can he allowed him to go that way, and in effect, he continued to harden his heart after that. And, that, and that's a danger that, that you, I don't know if where you're at, my listener, but if you, I don't know what category you fit into and what heart category, but, but I'd like you to check your heart today. Is your heart still open or pliable or receptive toward Jesus Christ? Or, or have, it, have you given God, basically in a sense, uh, have, you, have you given God the out? Have you given God the boot? You know, kicked him in the pants and said, get out of my life. Uh, because it, it, the longer you do that, the longer you close your heart toward the things of God or the things of Jesus Christ, the more dangerous that becomes as you go on through life. God will continue to give you over to a debased mind if you continue to show him you don't want him as he sends people to you more and more and more and more. And, more. and as he sees you close your heart off more toward him, he's going to go ahead and have the tendency to just go ahead and, well, you know, that one I... I love him, but and even though I want to save him, he he hates me with a passion. He hates me more and more and more. So, I, I, my listener, please, I don't know where your heart's at, but check your heart. And getting back to our message. So, what's the outcome of God's serious steps to win the souls of the Gentiles to Jesus Christ in the city, and or to win back to Jesus Christ, whose hearts had been poisoned toward him by the unbelieving Jews? Look at verse four. But the multitude of the city was divided. Part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles. Uh, there's that word, but again. And again, it's not a such super great news as Luke tells us here that whereas the great multitude came to Jesus Christ originally for salvation, sounding like what? A majority of the city, right? Only about half, part here, part there, ends up believing in Jesus Christ. This goes back to exactly what I talked about. Jesus Christ, Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. Many are called, but few are chosen. They were all being called or drawn to salvation in Jesus Christ as what? Paul and Barnabas' teaching was going out towards all of them. It was going out onto all of them. And it sounds like most of them in the beginning turned to Christ. But only part of them actually stayed believing in Jesus Christ and continuing on to eternal life in Jesus Christ because their hearts were the good soul from the parable of the sower of seed, just like we just talked about. Now, sadly, little did these unbelieving Jews know it, but they were inspired to cause these young believers to stumble because they were being Satan's 
pawns. Yes, that's right. Even today, if you are an unbeliever, if you know any unbelievers that are, they go out of their way to try to supplant your faith, then they are being Satan's pawns. Listen to what Jesus Christ tells us in the parable of the wheat and tares, Matthew 13, 24 through 28. Another parable he put forth to them, Jesus Christ saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Uh, but when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of that owner came and said to him, now the owner being God and the servants being like the, the messengers of God or the angels or you know the Holy Spirit, he says, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the devil loves to sow his poisonous poisonous seeds in the hearts of men. God went out and sowed his word, his seed, and then right after he did, Satan came and sowed his seed and caused uh, there to be tares or weeds in God's harvests. Oh, that devil. And oh, mankind for allowing the devil to use them like he does. It's it's really a shame. Jesus Christ rightly said what he did about the evil one in John 10.10. The thief does not come except to steal and kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they have it may have it more abundantly. Uh, nobody, not even Satan himself, can take away your eternal life from you. But, 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 there's that word but. But's always not a good word. But he can kind of help you to forfeit your eternal life by what? Well, what do we see here today? Planting poisonous doubts and seeds of doubts and thoughts and sending poisonous people along your way that are going to try to supplant your faith or push you away from Jesus Christ or draw you away from Jesus Christ. So he can't take it from you, for Jesus Christ tells us that in John 10. He said that, that no one can snatch or take away forcefully your salvation from you. But the scripture speaks very clearly at the fact that although he can't take it forcefully from you, that that we can forfeit it, that we can give it away, that we can kind of, we cannot be as diligent to hold on to it and then kind of drift away or stop running the race or hand over our crowns. Unfortunately, it's a real danger. How long do our apostles stay and continue to preach and try to persuade those Jews and Gentiles whose hearts have been poisoned to turn back uh, away from Jesus Christ? Look at verse 5. Uh, and when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them. We'll stop there. Scripture doesn't give us any specific time period. Like it doesn't say, well, they stayed two weeks or, well, they stayed seven days or, well, they stayed six months. Sometimes scripture does. And they stayed there a whole two years preaching the gospel. No, it doesn't, it doesn't tell us there. It just says, when a violent attempt was made, which basically, uh, when those people who had been poisoned and unbelieving Jews and the rulers, all when their hearts had completely been sealed Boom! They shut the garage door on Jesus Christ. They said, nope, that's it. Close the door. And you know what? Not just that our poison in our hearts is going to allow us to make us close the door, but you know what we're going to do? We're going to seal our hearts. We're going to harden our hearts toward God. And then you know what? Let's kill them. Then what, it, what happened is, is they chose to knock the dust off their feet as Jesus Christ taught, and, and they decided to move on. 
Again, so many just can't be content to keep their evil hearts of unbelief or, or poison of Jesus Christ to themselves. They must go on a crusade and so do evil things and come against God's work even with force. You see, Satan can't win against us. He can't win at all against God, but he sure does have lots of victories against people, unfortunately. Um, but he can't use legal ways. Satan is the father of lies. And what does he have to do? Always beware of Satan. He always has to play dirty. He doesn't just send out these people to go poison the mines. No, when the apostles didn't give up and they kept staying and, they, and, and, and then the ones whose hearts had been hardened completely off towards God, they weren't, they weren't just happy with just letting them stay and do their business. They had to force them out. They had to play dirty. Let's kill them. Um, unfortunately, that, that is what... Uh, we still see today, isn't it? We still see Satan moving in the hearts of these extreme Islamic uh, radical groups where they can't stand the light of God so bad, their hearts have been hardened so bad, as that they go out and they have to kill Christians and they have to torture Christians and they have to drown Christians in other countries. Christians, it may be coming to America soon. What do our apostles do when they hear of this wicked attempt on their lives? Look at verse 6. Uh, they pick up swords and clubs and kill all those infidels right then and there. Oh, I'm sorry. That's that's the SOPA Bible. S-O-A-P-A. That's the that's the SOPA Bible. There's actually an organization, believe it or not, Christians, real Christians that are listening to me, that believes that uh, Christians are supposed to cuss out and beat up those that are not in Jesus Christ, those that are not saved. It's called SOPA. S-O-A-P-A. P-A. And that's a, I joked about verse 6 there, that's a kind of a joking thing that their Bibles might say because that's actually what they go do. But I just have a New King James Version and I like some of the other translations too. And can, we, can you show me that in our Bibles? Just, just show me where the Bible says to do that in our Bibles? Well, you can't unless you use what they call eisegesis or putting in your own words and you go way off of context because look at our truth. I love truth. I love God's truth. Back in verse 6, what does the Bible say our apostles do when they hear of the wicked attempt on their lives? No, they don't pick up swords or clubs or go out and kill those wicked infidels right away. Verse 6, they become aware of it and they fled to Lystra and Derby, cities of Lyconia and the surrounding region. Now, now, again, they didn't pick up arms. They didn't, if you want to take the verse in, in one of the Gospels where Jesus says, oh, you have two swords, well, that's enough. And, and like Jesus was saying, oh, yeah, so pick up swords against these unbelievers. Then, then why, I guess Paul and, and Barnabas didn't know that verse. I, I guess they didn't realize that uh, they were supposed to get their swords out and go hack these guys to pieces, right? Because they fled, and that's what the scripture reads here, that they fled. Now, fleeing is kind of cowardly, right? Yeah, it is, but it's what they did. I mean, it's cowardly in a sense of if we're doing it because we're scared, it's not cowardly because what the way they were doing it, they saw the evil hearts and closed hearts of the people toward Jesus Christ, and they flee to another city. But what they really did is Matthew 10, 14, whoever will not receive you nor hear your words when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. They were just following Jesus Christ's words. Hey, these guys don't want to hear about Jesus Christ anymore. It wasn't that they were scared. Paul, many times in his ministry, one time he was stoned to death, and another time we hear about a couple different times that he's actually killed or he dies, and then God brings him back to life. So he wasn't afraid of his life. He fled because, again, he saw that the people there were not 
wanting to hear about Jesus Christ anymore, and it was casting his pearl, the pearl of Jesus Christ, the pearl of great price, Jesus Christ, uh, before the swine. And so they left. They knocked the dust off their feet. They moved on to other cities. And when they, uh, when they arrived, verse 7, our last verse, and, 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 there are, and they were preaching the gospel there. They go off. They realize we don't got anything more to say to these people here. These people have closed themselves off against Jesus Christ. And they go on to another couple towns or another town and they preach the gospel there in the hope that those people there's hearts would be receptive and open to Jesus Christ. And that's really all that he does. For God, God doesn't really give up. He says, if you want to close your heart towards him, he'll say, okay, I'll, I'll let you have your way out. I guess I'll give you over to that. But God's mercy, Psalm 36, 5 through 6, his mercy, your mercy, the psalmist writes, O Lord, is in the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the great mountains. God will never quit on you, but you can quit on God. And you can force him to kind of, let's say, move on. God, 2 Peter 3, 9, the Bible says he desires none to perish and all to come to repentance. But you, depending on your heart, you may cause God to move on to the next city depending on if your heart is open toward Jesus Christ or if your heart is closed and hardened toward Jesus Christ. What did we learn today? What did we learn today? Christians, Christians first. What we learned today, number one, We learned again that those who reject Jesus Christ are many times the ones who go out of their way to demolish the gospel and fight to destroy the faith of those who belong to Jesus Christ, as well as those who aren't sure if Jesus Christ is the way and so haven't surrendered. But maybe they're thinking about him, or maybe they're contemplating him, or maybe they've been, you know, kind of seeking him a little bit. Well, Christians, we we must beware of the types of people that want to supplant our faith. We must... Beware of these types of people. We must beware of those that all they want to do is sow seeds of poison in our lives. We must beware of them. And we must, if at all possible, if their hearts are closed, then we realize that. They don't want to hear us talk to them about Jesus Christ. We cannot stay and continue to cast our pearl of Jesus Christ, the pearl of great price, before them. You may be thinking, well, I I love that person. and, And, you know, although they've said no to Jesus Christ, I'm just going to, Keep on, and I'm going to keep on, and I'm going to keep on. But then you got to understand, their hearts are hard toward Jesus Christ, and they're going to get harder possibly if you keep pushing and if you keep shoving. And another danger is, is if you hang around with those people and they keep preaching you their poison, if you're not strong in Christ, you may succumb to their poison as well too. The Bible commands, Paul says in, in the, one of his epistles, he says that, what light? What what fellowship has light with darkness? And that and, and that doesn't mean we can't have people that we love and pray for and we're friendly towards. But those that do wickedness, those that preach wickedness, those that are have their hearts set against Jesus Christ, we cannot befriend them to the point of we actually are going off and we're doing things with those people and we're hanging out with those people because bad company Christians corrupts good character. How do we stay strong in Christ outside of staying away from these evil, poisonous people? Because it kind of it's kind of hard today with the internet. With the internet in, in our country, at least in America and other countries as well too, the internet's real strong. You know, you have all these poisonous ideas out there everywhere. Well, 
we must stay strong in our faith as Peter kind of commands us, 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9. He says this, first of all, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, Peter says, steadfast in the faith, having faith steadfast, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Be sober and be vigilant. Okay, keeping your mind off of those poisonous things, keeping our minds on the good things of God. When those arrows from the devil come, when those evil darts from the devil come, when those evil darts from those that are around us that are there to poison us when they come around, when they come along, get your mind back on the things of God. Don't let your mind wander onto those things. The longer your mind wanders on those things of doubt, the longer you could be sucked in and your minds could be poisoned, just like we read there about these people in Iconium. The devil, Christians, is gunning for those whom have escaped the pollutions of this world and his grasp. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed least default. Beware and understand this can happen to any of us. Any Christian, can their hearts can get poisoned. We have to be careful. Matthew 24, uh, but only those that endure to the end shall be saved. We must continue to have faith in the Lord. We must continue to keep these poisonous ideas out of our mind, and we must continue to just relax and trust in Christ and think of the good things of God. And, and, and please remember that not this, this, the warning Peter gives us in 2 Peter 2, 18 and 21, for when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lusts of the flesh. There's another one. Be careful, Christians, when you see a lust of the flesh that's drawing you, right? And those that are maybe, oh, come on. Oh, it's just a little, it's just a little sin, Oh, come on, man. God didn't say you're going to sin because you do one bad thing. Come on, that doesn't cut you off from God with one bad thing. It only starts with one. Uh, but they're going to allure you through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness. Uh, those of us who have escaped, those who live in error, they, they, they promise, oh, it'll be okay, it'll be okay. Uh, but after, if we've escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if we're entangled, which means we start to live in those ways again, then the danger is, again, that we will fall off into oblivion yet again. Uh, and it would be, have been better for us not to know the way of righteousness than having known it but turned away from the holy commandment. So we must be careful. And remember, the devil comes in all forms, himself, fallen angels, those who follow him. That'd be, follow, that'd be uh, the, the people, that, that these unbelieving wicked Jews here. The people we've talked about, the, the, the professors at college, right, who have to beat us over the head and, and try to make us doubt the Lord Jesus Christ by this, that, or whatever, or whatever they want to say. They're, they're poison that they try to slip subtly into our minds. And, and what will they do? And what have they done? And what, unfortunately, what, 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 what are they still trying to do? They're trying to supplant our faith. They're trying to pull us off the path. So how do we? How else can we avoid falling prey to him and falling prey to these that, that spread their poison? Or how else do we stay away from those things? Well, not only do we work on keeping our minds on the things of God and keeping our faith strong in Jesus Christ by just completely trusting him and no matter what, but, but here's some other ways. 
it, it's hard to fall over and to stumble if we're on our knees. What does that mean? It means that we need to stay strong in prayer. We need to not let them supplant us, but rather remember that the devil's gunning for us and stay on our knees and in prayer, fervent prayer for one another, for ourselves and for this world every day. Praying every day. God, help me to stand against the wiles of the devil today. God, help my family to stand against the wiles of the devil today. God, please help my church to stand against the wiles of the devil today. Lord God, keep us safe. Keep us from evil and praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. Because again, it's hard to fall over and stumble if we're on our knees in prayer. Uh, Number two, uh, another awesome way. Be in his word daily. Be in the word of God daily. The Bible says that its words are life. The words of God are, are the Bible and they are his words and they are life to us. If we keep our minds in the word of God, then, then it's, it's, and, and we keep refreshing our minds and our hearts in God's word every day. Again, it, when those evil thoughts come, when those evil poisonous things come, then it's uh, real easy for us to then rely on what we've been reading and what we've been trusting in and those words of life from God, then that poison. And another reason, I always love this analogy. I heard it years ago. It's, it's a real thing. But how do we tell the lie from the truth? Well, this is a real life thing, but those at the Mint, those people at the Mint that, where they make our money for this country, they, there, there are certain people in, those, in the Mint that all they do every day is look at the real bills. That's what they do. They spend every day, all day long, memorizing and getting their eye keen to the real dollar bill, the real whatever, $5 bill, the 10 the 100 whatever they have. They keep their eyes and they, and they continue, they study them every single day. And then the thing is, is once their eye, I've, they've got it, and they continue to examine it, when they get a fake bill, they can pick it out in a second because their eyes are so focused and fixed on the real deal that when the fake comes along, they know it right away. Same thing. The Word of God is the truth. And with our minds and our hearts focused every day, uh, once, twice, multiple times a day on the Word of God, when wickedness comes our way, we'll be able to tell and we'll be able to say, no, that's wickedness and that's a lie. No, 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 no. The Bible says this. Because remember, remember, Christians, remember. Remember when Jesus himself... The Lord of glory was being tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. Satan came to him and he didn't say, oh, you know, Jesus, uh, you know, blah, 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 do this and, you know, blah, 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 and then follow me. No, he used the real word of God. He said, well, you know, the Bible says, God's word says this. And Satan, what he does is he's real deceptive. He'll take a little bit of what God says or maybe even a lot of what God says but then what he'll do is he'll, he'll sprinkle a little bit of rat poison in there. Just a little bit of cyanide. Just a little bit of poison into that what God said. But what that does is, is that completely changes what God says 100%. Takes it out of context and puts it out of context. But yet notice, the devil used the word of God on Jesus Christ. But he just twisted it just a little bit. 
if the devil comes to you or me, do we know the word of God good enough to that when he uses it on us, because he will, if he did it to Jesus Christ, he's going to use it on us. If or when he comes or when he comes and uses the God's word against us, but just twist it a little bit. Our eyes are our eyes fixed on the real bill of the Bible good enough to know, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, that, that was, no, 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 the Bible says this, it doesn't say that, it says this, oh, it, it was twist. oh, that's got to be the devil, do our eyes know the Bible strong enough so that when he comes, we know, and we can say, no, that's not God, that's the devil, he twisted it just a little bit, that's where we need to be in order to stay away from the poison, and number three, this is a little extra biblical here. I love extra biblical sources, uh, but with a biblical basis backed by Jesus Christ. Just Google search proofs of the faith of Christ, pr- proofs of the Bible, uh, and especially uh, the evidences of archaeology and prophecy of the Bible. Just, just search those things and see what God's Word says. Because, wow, there are so many proofs that actually uh, show us that the Bible is a justifiably accurate book that we can trust, uh, unlike Islam or Hinduism or Buddhism, or they're just basically people that wrote stuff down, but there's no, that's all just people's experiences. The Bible has real proof to show that there is a real God of all heaven and earth and that he wrote that book and that we can trust him. Matthew 10, 16, we have to have this mindset, Christians. He says, behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. And what do we see in the world? We see wolves, people that want to poison our minds towards Jesus Christ. People that want to draw us away from Jesus Christ. It just happened to one of my most beloved brothers in the whole world. His mind got poisoned. And now he's, now he's living in poison in his whole life. And, and so it's real. He sends us out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, Jesus Christ said, Therefore be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. God wants us to be leery and not like dumb sheep uh, being swept away at every wave of opinion or false doctrine that may come our way. May our eyes be fixed on God's word as such so that when we hear or when we see any false doctrine come our way, we know our eyes are so fixed on God's word and in prayer and on the things of God and on the proofs of God and on the proofs of the reality of the Bible that we go, wait a minute, no, 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 no. That's not a true way of God. That's of the devil. That's false. No way. Christians, be careful and be vigilant to not fall prey to that evil one. He hunts for you daily, seeking and seeing if he may devour you and bring you back to his camp uh, and make you a terror. There's a whole lot in that section of scripture, but when the devil came and the evil one came and he sowed the terrors, he sowed the terrors. If you read the parable real closely, he sowed the, the terrors in the people's hearts. The same ones that, that God had just sowed them in. So now, now that that's from a beloved brethren out there. Please be careful. 
Please be careful. For those that are listening to this message, maybe who don't belong to Jesus Christ, uh, who may be listening to this message and are not in his camp. Maybe you were at one point, I'm not sure. Maybe you were. Maybe you have fallen away and I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're thinking of coming to him again or for the first time or whichever. Or maybe you're listening to this message as one of my sons talked to me one time. Maybe you're listening to this message because you just want to, you know, you just want to love to hear, you know, or, or hate my message or you want to love to hear, you know, a uh, uh, something you can use against Christians. Well, well, is your heart still receptive? Is your heart still pliable? Is your heart still open toward Jesus Christ? Or have you been hardened? Have you, has your heart been hardened toward Jesus Christ? And have you closed your heart toward Him to the point that you even refuse to listen to reason? Well, if you still have an open heart, if you have a closed heart, beware this may be the last time God reaches out to you, but God wants you to turn to Jesus Christ and be saved and, and stop having a closed heart. But if you don't listen to him now, this may be your last time. If you have an open heart toward the Lord Jesus Christ and, and you're willing to listen to the truth, uh, coming to be saved for the first time or coming to be saved again, whichever, happens the same ways that I just gave those who are walking with him, those of us that are his, those of us that are in his camp, but just in a little bit different way. Think about these things. Jesus Christ said this, Matthew 7, 7, <laughs> ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. Then he gave a promise uh, to the people he was speaking to, which would be all, verse 8, for everyone. That's who he's speaking to. He's speaking to everyone. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. His door will be opened. How do you ask and seek and knock so that God Almighty will help you or give you the saving faith that you need to be on his side or back on his side? Well, number one, prayer. <laughs> It's the same basic three things. Number one, prayer. When I was an atheist, I cried out to God Almighty and I asked him if he was real as I was seeking him. That's, that's it. I, I had an open heart. I really wanted to know. I knew that if God was real, then I could ask him, hey, God, are you really real? Can you show me somehow? And I knew that if he was really real, which he showed me he was, that he could do that. Well, if you give him a chance to reveal himself to you, then you ask him, he's real, and I can tell you he's real, but he wants you to know he's real for yourself. So ask him. Ask him if he's real and see what he says. Give him a chance. Pray. <laughs> and because God loves you, whether you were his or have never been his, he's looking for anyone that will respond to his drawing them to Jesus Christ. And His drawing, and he's drawing everyone, 2 Chronicles 16, 9, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. If you seek him and you ask him and you pray, he can and will reveal himself to you if your heart is open and receptive to what he has to say. Number two, second, his word. Uh, if you show him that you're willing to seek him in his word, reading his word, seeking him in his word, he sees this and he's pleased with those who do this. He reveals himself, the Bible says, his word says, his written word that he wrote from him, his inspiration to other disciples, his children, was that he reveals himself through his word. Read God's word. Let God reveal himself to you in Jesus Christ as you read the word. And again, have an open and receptive heart toward Jesus Christ. And number three, of course, number three, Google. 
Google proofs or evidences of the Bible. Again, we're talking about uh, archaeology and prophecy. Google those things. There are so many evidences of how God of the Bible is justifiable and not just another belief, like all the false beliefs in the world. And he's not a fraud and they're there. You just have to search. Search, or another word Jesus said in Matthew 7, seek, seek, seek God. Seek God in prophecy. Seek God in the history. Seek God in archaeology. Seek God in Jesus Christ if you care about your eternal life. He wants you to. He gave up everything, everything to save your soul from condemnation. He gave up everything, even his life on the cross. He gave up everything. The Bible says that we will all stand before God's judgment on the day we die. And it also says that if we're not one of Christ's sheep, as he said, I will send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. If, if we're not his sheep, the Bible says that we're not going to be with him in eternity for, and in paradise and in heaven with him forever. We'll be set apart. He will come and see him and because we chose not to seek or because we chose not to stay diligent in our faith and we allowed ourselves to fall off into oblivion again, he'll see us and he'll say, be gone. I I never knew you. Get out of here. Or if you want to seek or or if you choose to be steadfast and stay steadfast in Christ to the end, he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. But you can either be apart from him for eternity or you can be with him for all eternity. And he gives that choice to you. He's calling and he loves everybody. So please, 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 I plead with you uh, by the blood of Jesus Christ, by, but as God is pleading through me, as the word says, come today, come and drink of the living water of Jesus Christ. And what he wants, he, he wants you to surrender your life to him. He wants you to surrender your heart to him. He wants you to put all your trust in him. He wants you to turn to him right now. And he, and he wants you to, to say, Daddy, I need you. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, Jesus Christ, for I've sinned and I've been against you and I've had a, had a wicked heart and I, and I need your salvation and I need you in my life. I need you. Please, God, save me. I want to be your child. And that's what he's looking for. He's looking for a, a call from you to turn to him with your realization that you need him and that he's the way that you will choose for your eternal life and not your own self. So he wants you to accept his offer of salvation in Jesus Christ today. Will you bow your knee today and come to him? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your great love. Thank you so much, Lord God, for your message, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord God, for your grace, Lord God, that you you would still even offer salvation, Lord God, to those that have turned their backs on you or those that have never known you, or even though that you offer your salvation to those that have hardened their hearts off against you, Lord God, if they'll just come to their senses and they'll just start seeking, if they'll just ease off on the heart closure, and if they'll just seek you, Lord God, you'll, you'll still accept them. Well, Lord, I pray for all of us that are your children today, Lord, that we would stand steadfast until the end in Jesus Christ, that we would hold the beginning of our faith until the end, and that we would truly endure to the end, Lord God, through all the poison and through all the evil and through all the Satan trying to sow his tears in our hearts, Lord God in heaven, please, Lord, help us, Lord, to stay strong in you and to stay in your word, on our knees, and steadfast, Lord, steadfast in faith. Help us, Lord God. Keep us encouraged. 
Help us to stay strong in you. Help our hearts to stay right before you and correct. We thank you, Lord, and we love you for the salvation that you've given us. And, and Lord, I pray for those that have not turned to you yet, Lord. I pray for those that have not surrendered their lives to you, Lord God. Those that have not raised the white flag of surrender, Lord God. Those that have not opened their doors to you as you knock for them to open, Lord. I pray that they would give up today. That they'd give up running. That they'd give up having hard hearts. That they'd give up their rebellion against you, Lord. And that they would humble themselves, Lord. Fall on their knees in their hearts. Fall on their faces in the carpet, Lord. And that they would turn to you and surrender and say, Jesus Christ, I need you. God, help them to make that decision. Show them your great love that you have for them. And help them, Lord, to turn to you today. We love you and we praise you. And we ask all these things, God, in the only way and the only name we can. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.